Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. God bless you all this morning. Oh, what a God-blessed day this morning just to hear the voices of the saints, man, gathering together, unified voice, one voice crying, coming to cry out to the Lord this morning who hears our cry and answers us and show us great and mighty things that thou knowest not according to the prophecy of Jeremiah the prophet, amen, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 of the King James Bible this morning. So we declare this morning, amen, that we have been heard and that the answer is on the way and it's going to be great and mighty, amen, and we can't even begin to imagine uh, what God is going to do, my, my God, in this hour, amen, in this season, amen, if we just continue to pray one thing we know that he promised and we don't forget this benefit is that he will forgive our sin and heal our land. Amen. Which is in, in terrible need of healing right now. We know the author and finisher of our faith. We know, amen, that he's fighting battles for us right now in the spirit realm, by the spirit and by the counsel of his word this morning. And so his word is still going forth out of his mouth. We being one of those mouthpieces this morning that's sending out his word through our prayers, through our songs of praise and worship, battling the enemy with these weapons that God has given us this morning, reinforcing the defeat on him where Jesus made a show of him open his for his principality and has given us the power of life and death in our tongue to declare the decrees of the Lord this morning and know that as his word goes forth according to the book of Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 the King James Bible it is not going to come back void it's going to do what thus says the Lord what he said is what it's going to do that's the purpose for sending it that it may heal us of all our disease and rescue us from destruction amen we were doing war against the spirit of anxiety this morning and we know there's a lot of anxiety a lot of things for people to worry about this morning that don't know Jesus. But if you know Jesus, there's no need to worry. Amen. No need to commit that sin against God. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, love. He gave us a spirit of, of love, power, and a sound mind, not fear. So fear is bound this morning. Run the power is harmless and ineffective. And if you still choose to hang out with it this morning, I want to tell you about the mercy that was new this morning and the grace that is sufficient for us. Amen. And God is all sufficient. He has already supplied all that we need according to rich and glory by Christ Jesus. So fathers, we come this morning on this day, Monday morning, July 19th, we declare this morning in the name of Jesus. We thank you that my, my grandson, Lord God, has a birthday today, Lord, and we celebrate that, God. Thank and praise you, Lord God, for giving him another day. Wonderful young man, Devin Chandler. We just lift him up today. Pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that the day would be the best birthday he's ever had before. And we just lift up all of our family members this morning, our sons, our daughters, our grandsons, our granddaughters, our great-great-grands. God, we lift them all up to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, uncles, aunts, Lord God. Yes, we lift them all up. Siblings, oh God, all over the world this morning. And Father, we just pray that the day be a day if they don't know Jesus, turn to Jesus. They'll be concerned about Jesus. They'll want to know about Jesus and let there be someone in their life, in their midst, across their path to tell them about Jesus because, Father, people are perishing because they don't know about Jesus. They're perishing for a lack of knowledge. He was the one we're going to talk about this morning that was crucified, Lord God, that we might know him, Lord God. He was lifted up on that cross for all the world to see. God made a spectacle, no beauty that we should desire of him. Body, Lord God, bleeding, blood that was going to cover the sins of the world was upon him. It ran down, Lord God, and just covered the land, covered, Lord God, his body, Lord God, signifying, Lord God, that, that he was dying for the sins of the world to be forgiven and washed away by the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that this reality, that this truth will be told, will be revealed to your people, especially those who are still lost, those who have backslidden, went back in the world.
world, prodigal sons and daughters, Lord God, who right now put in their trust and confidence in the systems of this world that have failed generations and will continue to fail generations without the counsel and the wisdom of your word, knowing how to be a good steward over the things that you have blessed us with and placed under our our control, Lord God. You wanted us, oh Lord God. Hallelujah. To have everything in this world that pertain to life and godliness, oh Lord God, that we might enjoy it. Not each other, Lord God. Not abusing each other, Lord God. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank and praise you in the name of Jesus for restoring this ownership that you gave us, Father. We repent for being not good stewards, oh God. And we thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross, oh, that we might have that right to the tree of life, that we may have a right to eternal life, an opportunity, amen, to be saved. And we so we thank you for the blessing of salvation this morning. Now give us the strength to work it out and, and with fear and trembling and endure all the way to the end that we might be saved, that we may stand before you and see you the way you are because we're going to be just like you when we transition out of this old body this old mortality going to put on immortality this old corruption going to put on incorruption but we're declaring the victory right now our eternal victory our eternal salvation our eternal reward this morning in the name of jesus we ask you to be merciful to all those lord god who are going to receive punishment in the end at the second death as they stand before the great white throne judgment and try to explain why their names are not written in the lamb's book of life god have mercy upon their souls this morning and let this be the day of salvation unto all those who are lost still and don't know you that are backslidden and going back into the world. God, we pray that they're coming from the north, south, east, and west right now in the name of Jesus because Jesus was crucified for their salvation, died for the sins of the world. And so we give you praise, glory, and honor this morning for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So praise the Lord this morning. Welcome all of you to the Creating a Prayer Culture this morning. Again, this is Monday morning, July the 19th. Amen. And I don't know whether any of you all know my grandson, uh, Devin Chandler, uh, Nikki, uh, my other daughter, Nikki. Amen. And Terrence. Amen. And grand oldest granddaughter, Alexis McKenzie, live up in, um, amen, up in Stockbridge, Georgia. And celebrating a birthday this morning. Super baseball player, super young kid senior in high school amen and we thank god for giving him another year amen and i'll get in contact with him later and wish him a happy birthday there but amen y'all just pray for my one of my grandsons there got amen eight grands all together five boys and three girls three granddaughters and five grandsons and so we give god praise going on for all of them thank god for the seed of the righteous that's been delivered this morning lift all of them up lift yours up too in jesus name amen so let's get into the word this morning uh thank you all yesterday for a powerful service powerful word from my very own pastor eric and pastor phoebe amen yesterday awesome praise and worship battle of the enemy and psalm before the word went forth and it was just a tremendous day school of healing was awesome this morning and it's just still flowing this morning through the spirit realm amen and so i'm just so pumped and so fired up this morning about what the lord is doing in my life your life and just what he's doing in the midst of all this darkness that is upon us this chaos this very anxiety producing uh, environment out there right now climate that we're living in and so we know we have power and authority jesus was crucified for that uh, that that spirit of anxiety to be defeated and we would we, we bind it and we have the power to do it and so we bound it already and we're praying for different ones this morning amen that are dealing with that that god has set them free Amen. So we want to talk this morning out of the book of John, the 19th chapter, verses 16 through 37 is, is our goal and our objective. But I don't know whether we'll get there, but it's just so much in this chapter and in these verses as we have learned in previous chapters and verses. And so we're going to try to go as far as we can. My subject this morning under the umbrella of the revelations of Jesus Christ 
is Jesus Christ, the crucifixion, the major events of the cross. You know, dying on that cross was a major event of that day. Amen. It was very emblematic of things to come. This was a fulfillment of a messianic prophecy. Amen. And we, I tell you, man, we would not have salvation and be here today, man. Amen. If it had not have been for this crucifixion, this major event that took place in biblical times, days gone by. Amen. It was so spiritually significant. Amen. And so we're going to take a look and ingest and digest and dissect this. Amen. And look at some of the benefits and some of the the, the spiritual things that were implicated, that was that was released, revealed, made available to the believers, to the, the even to the unbelievers, amen, to both Jews and, and Gentiles at this time, amen, the leaders, the high priests, all of them were there to counsel, the, you know, the, the high courts, the judgment seat, everybody had a chance to witness this and to deal with this, perceive this in their own way, and make their own choices about it. So we're going to take a look at this revelation this morning that's been revealed to us by John the Revelator in the book of John chapter 19, starting at verse 16. Other scripture references that you can look at that kind of portrays this and talks about this and profiles this is over in the book of Matthew chapter 27, verse 26 through 56 of the King James Bible. Same thing in the book of Mark's gospel, chapter 15, verse 16 through 41 of the King James Bible. And then the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 26 to verse 49 of the King James Bible, all of them have their separate individual accounts of this crucifixion, of these events on the cross. Amen. They all have a, a, a kind of a, a, a their own account of it. Amen. And so those are references that we can take a look at, how it affected them, how it impacted them, and the audiences that they were speaking to. Amen. Some of those audiences was Jewish in the book of Matthew, and then in the book of Mark, he was just kind of motivate the people that this event on the cross is more than just a death of a man. Amen. Who they falsely accused. He wanted to motivate the people and say, look, you know, this is about our salvation. You know, this right here is about the future implication. Amen. Of sins being forgiven. And then in the book of in the book of Luke, amen, we see Luke now is kind of talking to all the audiences, Jew and and uh, Gentile. Amen. Writing to them and, and giving his account. Amen. To encourage and motivate them. But John is the revelator. I, I like John's writing because John looks at it from a totally different perspective. He's looking he's going into great detail. Amen. He, so he's cause he's in the spirit realm when he's doing this. He's been caught up in the spirit realm and he sees things from a different level, a different perspective. Amen. God is, is chosen John of the beloved, his beloved, amen, to reveal these things to him because John, you know, he, 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 he had been separated out on the Isle of Patmos, isolated. Amen. So he had really time to just focus and hone in on what was being said. He didn't have all of the surrounding noise and distractions like these other three uh, apostles that wrote these other three gospels, Mark, Luke and Matthew. See, they had to deal with a lot of noise, a lot of background stuff. So they was, you know, they were seeing this in, in, in a crowd, you know, but here's John. He John is isolated. So John is getting this revelation straight from straight from the spirit. Amen. And the Lord tells him to write it down that we might know, okay, we will have eternal life in Jesus Christ's name. He wanted us to know this, amen. So this event on the cross was major for that reason because it was the price that had to be paid for the salvation 
of all those who would come to Jesus and believe. So that's just some other scripture references there. And so we see as we finished up last uh, time we taught the governor uh, surrenders to the mob. We know that that was Pilate. Jesus had been before uh, Annas and also uh, Caiaphas. And now they're taking him to see the high priest and he's sitting on the judgment seat. And we know that that was Pilate. And so, you know, he, he, he got him, he got to do his job, but he shirks his responsibility. And it brings us to where we're at right now. So let's pick up this discussion in verse 16. And it says, then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And so, so what are the first events here that's taking place? We're going to look at several events, probably eight or nine events that took place uh, in this particular hour, this particular setting as they've taken Jesus and Jesus Christ was uh, bearing his cross. He, you know, he, he said, if you're going to follow me, you got to pick take up your cross and follow me every day. Every man and woman going to have to bear their cross before this life is over. And they're going to, our crosses are going to be different, but amen. Nevertheless, the thing we have in common with Jesus is we all must bear our cross. We all have a cross to bear. Amen. And some of us are bearing those crosses right now uh, for our children, for our friends, for our life, for our health, you know, for our finances, for, you know, what, for our emotional status, a state of mind. Amen. So all of us are bearing crosses. Amen. Just like Jesus is right now, you know, bearing this cross, this bitter cup. He's drinking it right now. You know, he's being crucified. He's in the moment of being separated from his father just long enough to finish the work that he sent him, which was to die. And now the crowd is thinking that they're crucifying a criminal here. I, I laughed at that. I said, well, what a joke on them, man. No, they're not crucifying him. They think they are. No, he's dying because he chose to for us, had us on his mind. He was obeying the father even to death. Amen. And so this is why this is so uh, this is so mind boggling. Amen. He willingly went forth. I love that. You know, he willingly went forth. He was willing and obedient because he wanted to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He was willing and obedient that he could eat the good of the land. The good of the land that he was to eat as as as, as David penned is this, amen, that Jesus could see the after effect of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He could see the harvest that was white with plenty. And he knew that me dying, me bearing this cross, that harvest can be gathered. It might not be gathered by him physically, but it was going to be gathered by him, the Holy Ghost, living inside of believers, giving them power to be a witness, you know, to be a witness to every place that they went, you know, all Judea, all Samaria, you know, all Jerusalem, to the uttermost parts of the world. He saw that, amen. He saw that, amen, in that bitter cup. He saw that in that crucifixion. He saw that this is going to make all of this, this one event, this first event, me accepting this cup to drink it, is going to make salvation available to the lost world out there. You know, he saw the bigger picture. Amen. And so he willingly, man, was 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 uh, was 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 killed. Amen. It was his choice to do that. And they, even though the people who liked that knowledge was perishing for that lack of knowledge. So that's why they took him to 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 Pilate to be crucified. Amen. <laughs> I said, Lord, have mercy. You know, Jesus was going to bear that cross irregardless. Why? Because he willingly went forward. And so we see that Pilate delivered Jesus to the soldiers. He thought he was doing such a great deed. Sometimes people, man, think they're doing such a great deed to come up with some 
fresh revelation. I'm, I've been reading a lot of the, the, the posts and stuff people are putting out there, and they, they don't give you scripture. They just throw a lot of words out there. They, a lot of quotes from different people that probably ain't even saved, pulling stuff out of books and, you know, just doing anything, man. I said, why don't they just go to the word? The word is revealing. The word lets you know the revelations, you know. You don't have to just try to come up with some cute, fancy saying, you know, and all this stuff, man. You know, just and they're coming from pastors and preachers and prophets, you know, just coming up with stuff, you know, coming up with their own prophecies. They ain't based on no scripture, you know, just what they think is going to happen, you know, just throwing generalizations out there, just making accusations, man, without any substance, any proof, you know. And so we have to go with what has been revealed in the word. These are messianic prophecies that are being fulfilled that was foretold. And you got to go to the source where they was foretold and you get a good, a brighter understanding. Amen. And so don't go by a lot of these little quick snapshots that people throwing out there, calling themselves a prophet, a prophetess, and, you know, dressed all up in their robes and all of this. And got, they, they look, they look the part. Amen. But Jesus said, I got an issue with them because none of what they're telling you is coming to pass. That makes them a false prophet, a false teacher. So be very careful. The only thing that we know 100% of the time that's going to come to pass is what God said. And we see it being fulfilled right here. The prophecy of what Jesus Christ was going to come and do, die for the sins of the world, be crucified, be hung on that cross, nailed to that tree. You know, it, that's what was prophesied. These are messianic prophecies and we're going to see in the teaching today that must be fulfilled. Amen. So you don't have to make stuff up. And so we see it right there. He willingly went forth. So whether they thought they was crucifying him or not, it was always in his heart and his mind, the will of the father, pleasing the father. He never took his mind off of that. He had to finish the work that the father sent him to do. And that work was to down the cross. But before he died, he did work too. He evangelized, you know, he reconciled, he ministered to them what the father gave him to minister so that when it actually happened, Amen. Now they could conclude that this was the son of God. This is the son of God. Amen. This is the way to the father. This is the truth right here. This is the life right here that was sacrificed for my salvation. You know, uh, old unjust steward, you know, he, 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 his, his or anyone else's injustice is condemned by the Lord. So Pilate, you know, he was one of them old unjust servants. You got the responsibility to free the man. You got the responsibility right here, man, to tell the soldiers to take him and nail him to the cross and crucify him. You have the responsibility to do that. But no matter what Pilate did, no matter what Caiaphas did, no matter what Annas did or anyone else do, Jesus was going to die anyway. It wasn't going to have any effect on what it, it would have behooved them, you know, to get on board, to believe and to be accept and accept his claims. But see, the, the crucifixion, man, wasn't it wasn't theirs. It was his willingness to go forth and do this for the salvation of the world, to have an opportunity at that tree, you know, to, to, you know, to, to, to have an opportunity for it, to receive eternal life through Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. See, see, it, it, was, it was on them, okay? But you got this old unjust steward, and you got old unjust stewards we've had in every generation. You know, they get, they get in these positions of authority, and they say God blessed them and God promoted them. Then they forget about God. And it starts to be then them being unjust, you know, just because they got a little, little position, a little power, they think they can do whatever they want to do. I call them, they think they untouchable, but God can touch it just like that, man. You know, just like that. He touched Pilate's heart when he, when he had a chance to say something. And when he wasn't talking, he was still touching Pilate's heart. There were times Jesus said, you said that I, I'm the king of the Jews. There were times Jesus spoke up and said, I am, you know, the, the son of God, you know. 
So, so you know, either way, whether he was talking back to Pilate, answering questions, whether Pilate was talking to the crowd about him and Jesus was just silent, wasn't saying anything, but he was still seeing the salvation of the Lord. So he was touching, he touched Pilate, he touched Caiaphas, he touched Anna. All that he came before, he touched them because of his demeanor, because of his behavior. They knew what they were doing was cruel and, and, and abusive. But it didn't matter because Jesus said already, I have the power to lay my life down. If I have the power to lay it down, no man take it. I can raise it back up again. Watch me in three days what's going to happen. I will rise again. You know, I will rise again. This has already been predetermined before the foundation of the world. This was determined before I accepted the assignment for my father to come here and be a redeemer to come here and teach and preach the kingdom of God, to establish it among his people, so that when it begins to come to pass, you know that it's just prophecy being fulfilled. Don't freak out. Think the world coming to an end. Only God knows that. Only God the Father knows that. Not even the Son knows that. Only God knows that. And, and, and if that's the case, we need to make sure we are prepared. Amen. And this is why these teachings are so important. Amen. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust, my God, in the least is unjust also in much. You know, that's in the book of Luke chapter 16, verse 10, the King James Bible. That describes Pilate, that describes Caiaphas, that describes Annas, that also describes Caesar and any Nero, any other empire leader, dictator, just like today. You know, we got people, man, that's fighting for power, want to be in control. But look at what it says. If you become an unjust steward pattern after all of this that we see right here, if you leave Jesus out of the equation and don't acknowledge his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection, you've already failed. The Bible says in the book of John, the third chapter, verse 17, you already condemned already. If you set this knowledge aside, if you set his crucifixion aside, if you act like he didn't die for you, it has no impact. It's been impacting generations to come. Why? Because these messianic prophecies were foretold to come to pass. Some have already come to pass. Some are coming to pass in this hour that we're living in. And there are those that are going to continue to come to pass until Jesus comes back to this earth and receive his bride without spot or without wrinkle. And so it behooves us to get on board, to examine, to, to, to explore, to figure out, to study, to read, to show ourselves approved in the God as workmen who need not be ashamed, so we can rightly divide this word of truth so that we can be ready when he comes. And so you see, you see here, here's an old unjust steward. He's unjust in a few little things here. So guess what? He's also going to be unjust in the bigger matters too, just like people today. Just because you got a title. You better, if you got a title, bishop, prophet, whatever you call yourself, president, you better live up to it. You best live up to it. Don't be claiming you this and don't live up to it. If you're a pastor, live up to your duties and responsibilities as a pastor. If you're a teacher, live up to your duties and responsibilities as a teacher. If you're a mayor, live up to your responsibilities as a mayor. If you're a president, live up to your responsibilities. A congressman, a senator, it doesn't matter. A nurse, a doctor, live up to your responsibilities because you just might lose it. And then God will hold you accountable for how you have impacted people in those responsibilities. And he says it right there. You know, we see Pilate turned into an old unjust steward, you know, and anyone else that's injustice shall be condemned by the Lord. He says it right there. Uh, 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 you know, Luke had an account of it there and he gives it to us. In verse 17, though, it says, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull. Now we're talking about Jesus here. We know that was God, God, you're going to see it right here. It said, which is called in the Hebrew 
Golgotha, meaning the place of the skull. Why did it call it that? Because when you looked at this horrible place, you know, this, this evil place, they made sure, the Roman custom, you know, remember they used crucifixion, amen, when others used different means to punish people. They used the law to punish, to punish people, but, but beatings and whatnot. And so you had an area there was a road up to Old Golgotha. The path up there from the bottom to the top was all these poles with all these skulls of people that had been crucified by Roman law on that hill, on that hillside. There were just skulls everywhere. You could just see them. Just picture that for a minute. These were people who had been crucified. They wanted to put them up there to make a spectacle. They wanted to use that fear when people passed that way and saw this horrible place, saw these horrible skulls, saw what this place was, it put fear in them to say, I don't want to end up like that. So they was using that psychological, you know, anxiety, that picture, that you know, putting it out there so people could see it, make a spectacle out of those people. You know, died. It was cru they used crucifixion to generate fear. But see, when you know the Lord and you understand, he does not give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us a spirit of love and power and sound mind. That's what he gives us. You know, that's in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, if I'm not mistaken, the King James Bible. But you know the scripture I'm talking about. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So, so that's, that's what they did. That was their method. That was not God's method. Now, for Jesus to hang on the cross was totally different because he was the first one that was crucified that they did not get to break his legs. He did not die. He gave up the ghost. He said it's finished. They didn't, he didn't die from asphyxiation. You know, he gave up the ghost when it was time, when it was finished, when he had did everything he could do to include saving that thief on the cross, that one last gesture to save a thief, you know. And so 17 says, you know, he bearing his cross went forth unto a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. So the next event we see right here, Jesus Christ went forth. He bearing his cross. He, he, you know, he bared it. You know, that's what he came to do. He took it up. You know, it was bitter. It was sweet, but he took it up. As we see, Jesus Christ is our majestic victor here. He's, he, you see the majesty of him carrying that cross. You see him being victorious because he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't give up that bitter cup. He's securing this victory. And this is why the scripture says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, King James Bible, the Lord has given us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the victor. And he did this so that we could become victors too over all of our problems, over every mountain, every wall, every circumstance, every situation, every enemy of ours, whether that be natural, physical, emotional, spirit, whatever the case might be, whatever enemy, whatever weapon formed against us that we overcome it. Amen. Because we have to overcome by the blood of the lamb that's shed right here on this cross by the word of our testimony. We're testifying that he is our majestic victor. That's the word of our testimony in this situation. It wasn't theirs. They were like crucify him. They weren't saying, Jesus, thank you for our victory. And so we have to say it today because we see the majestic victor right here, Jesus, and not our majestic victim. He's no victim here. He's a victor, you know, because he's dying this death, man. He came to be crucified. He came to die for our sins. He doing this thing, man. He carrying this cross. He bearing this cross, you know. And he's counting it all joy. He's counting it all joy, the things that he's suffering. He's using some tremendous humility right here, powerful picture of humility right here, bearing that cross, just like we have to bear ours. He is a majestic victor here and victorious and not a majestic victim complaining, bickering, and murmuring. You know, he's not a victim here. He's a victor, amen, because he chose 
to do the will of the Father. Verse 18, now we see here where they crucified him and took, that word crucified mean to be nailed on a cross. You know, that, you know you, you, they break your legs, they do all kinds, they crucify you. You know, they hang you there, man, so that, you know, the way they hang you, man, is that you're trying to, you die from a fixation because you're trying to support yourself by pushing up on your legs. And when you do, that pain is excruciating because they don't drove those spikes through your, through your feet. And when you push up, that just sends excruciating pain throughout your body. You know, and your hands, if you try to, the weight, try, body try to pull you down, you got spikes in your hands. And so that's putting excruciating pain on that flesh, on those muscles and tendons to try to support you. You know, and it's a slow death. It's a painful death. But not the case with Jesus, man. He found joy in doing this. Where they crucified him, so they thought, and two others with him. We know what, what those were, amen. On either side, one and Jesus in the midst of them. He was right there in the middle of them between these two thieves. And so we see the next event here, okay? We see Jesus Christ is being crucified between two sinners. Some of the scriptures say male factors, but they were really two sinners deserving to be there, deserving to die, but not Jesus. Okay, the only reason Jesus was there is because he chose to be there, willingly went forward to let them crucify him. Amen. So that was that was this event making him our permanent or preeminent sacrifice. He is the preeminent one. That means he will never, ever die. Even though he died this death, you know, he's still living today. You ask me how I know. He lives inside of us for all of those who have believed on him and received him as their Lord and Savior. Amen. And so we see this right here, making him, he earned that right to be worshipped and praised and thought of and understood to be the preeminent one. Amen. That, 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 that preeminent sacrifice that he made purchased our salvation and also salvation for anyone who come to him and believe. Jesus Christ and his suffering and being crucified was awful, but it was needed. The killing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen, was so necessary that it be done this way because this is what they required. You know, one be put to death. But he was one put to death, but he wasn't put to death just for one. He was put to death for the sins of the whole world. And they missed that revelation. But we get in this revelation. Uh, over in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 1 through 5, the King James Bible says this, And it came to pass, I love this, And it came to pass, yes, he died, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Yes, Judah, you're going to bring him to him at night in the garden. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace at the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety, meaning kind of surprise him, they'll sneak up on him and kill him, you know, and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now, it, this, this right here just amazed me, and this is the reason I'm, I'm referring to this reference here, and hopefully you'll see this revelation too. They are getting ready, man, to think that they crucifying the Savior of the world, and they concerned about what day they killing them on, crucifying them on. Isn't that something? This major event that's going to impact thousands of lives for years to come, salvation for, for many, is being bought here. And they're concerned about what day. You know, you got some, some religious denominations out here right now. They're more concerned about the day than they are the God of the day. 
Isn't it amazing? Is this spirit still working today in some of these denominations? 4,400 of them. You know, that people are so concerned about one day, they call it the Sabbath in some cases. You know, I won't call no, 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 no names of these denominations, but you know who they are. They care more about the Sabbath than the God of the Sabbath. And here it is right here in plain view, you know. But they said not on the feast day, the Sabbath day, the least there be an uproar among the people. People get so uptight about keeping a day instead of keeping a relationship with the God of the day, the Lord of the day, the Lord of the Sabbath, you know. Finding that, that rest in him, taking that yoke upon you, learning of him so that you might have rest upon your soul. You're talking about having Sabbath rest every day, not just one particular day, but every day. People are so confused about a day, just like they are right here, you know, and says, you know, let's, let, let's take a closer look at what the reference scripture has to say about, you know, the place where our Lord and Savior was crucified. This, this, was, this was a horrible place, y'all, just the thought of it when I was reading this. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. Picture this now, that he's on that cross. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink it. It was bitter. It dry you out. It, it dehydrates you. And they crucified him, so they thought, and parted his garments. Parted his garments. Why not get those clothes to his mom and to his family members that are standing around there? And they cast lots. They gambled over his possessions, over his clothing, that it might be, listen to this now, be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And if you know the prophetic message and the scripture, you know that this app was to go down anyway so you shouldn't be that surprised amazed but not that surprised that they would actually do it but the prophecy had to be fulfilled it was spoken by the prophet isaiah they parted my garments among them listen at the prophecy here and upon my vesture did they cast lots they gambled over it that's what the prophet had already forewarned them and and sitting down they watched him there and sat up over his head his uh, uh, accusation written. Now remember, this is his accusation. Many of them had said this too when he was when he went before the high priest. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Now we know we've heard that several times here by by Luke, by Mark, by Matthew, by John, even by Caiaphas, by Annas, you know, by 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 Pilate, Caesar. All of them know him by this name. You know, the crowd knew him by this name. But they didn't respect him by this name. They didn't honor him by this name. They didn't bow before him by this name. They didn't worship him. They didn't serve him by this name. They didn't defend him by this name. I wonder why. Because they were really not in control. They thought they were. They were limited in what they could do. They couldn't stop the will of God. I don't care what they did and who they took him before. Then were there two thieves crucified with him. Uh, they might have deserved it, you know. But Jesus was willing and went forth to do it. They didn't go for it willingly. They didn't have a choice. Uh, one on the right hand and the another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, thou that destroyeth the temple. Remember what, they remember what Jesus had said and buildeth it in three days. Save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said he saved others himself. He cannot save. That's what you think. If he be the king of Israel, let him 
now come down from the cross. Look at it, trying to tempt Jesus. He ain't tempted by no man, nor does he tempt any man, nor is he tempted by evil. And we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. Yes, he did. And he is. The thieves also, uh, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now, from the sixth hour, there was, amen, darkness over all of the land unto the ninth hour. That ought to have been a sign to him right there. Something is wrong here. We're doing something wrong. You know, fear, I, I know fear came over that spot. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out uh, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani. And it said, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, listen, some of them that stood there, when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. See, they're trying to say the prophets, you know, they had prophesied. No, he was talking to the father. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge, okay, and filled it with vinegar, Look at this old sarcastic move that they do in there, man, trying to humiliate him further and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, the rest of the crowd, this mob, this insurrection mob, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. This is important. This precept right here, this line right here is so important. This is the summary of everything right here. When Jesus was ready, he yielded up the ghost with a loud voice. He was, he was, I won't say he was proud to do it, but he was, re, he was rejuvenated to do it because it was finally over. The work was finished. It was time to give up the ghost so he could now be glorified back with the father to the position he had before he came. It said, look, they was talking about crucifying him. All of the commentary out there, all of the prophetic word out there talks about this crucifixion. But look at how Jesus described it here. And he gave up the ghost. He yielded up the ghost. Didn't sound like they took it like it sounded like he gave it up. Now, when they came to examine him, he was already dead. They didn't get the joy of getting the credit that they crucified him with these other two, these other two sinners who deserved to die. He gave up the ghost. You know, he was he he was the one that lay. He said, look, it's got to be fulfilled. It's got to be fulfilled. If you destroy this temple, in three, I'll raise it back up in three days. You know, so he's fulfilling what the prophets had said about him in the book of Mark, chapter 15, verse 24, the King James Bible. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. You know, this man had the power to give up the ghost. Yielded up the ghost, said it was finished. They are here concerned about his clothes. The thing that got me was his mother is there. His family is there. His siblings are there. You know, let them have that man's belongings. Isn't this something just total no regard for the man's family, you know, and, 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 and you know, at, at home goings and stuff. We always try to comfort the family. These jokers right here, man, gambling over the man's clothes, over his dirty cloak, you know. You know, in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 33 and, and 34, the King James Bible, it's just foolish sometimes the things that people try to associate with the Passover, with the feast of, of, of his Passover. You know, they celebrate Easter, remember? 
They do all these things, color eggs, you know, go out and buy all these, these, these different colors and dress up and, you know, can cans and, and, and little tassels and stuff around your shoes and big hats and, you know, all these beautiful spring colors, man. That's how they celebrate the Passover. It was some of the same thing here. They got the wrong understanding of what this event was about. That's going on today, still today, you know, still today, you know. And in, and in book of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 to 34, King James Bible said this, And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, on, uh, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lot. Look at the, look at the favor that he did for them by interceding for them to the Father. On their behalf, forgive them. Now, if you notice, I read three different accounts, okay? I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you notice, there's something similar uh, about all of these, but there's also some things in here that they saw different than the last one saw, and they capitalized on it, okay? But the main character here is Jesus. The main focus here of all of them is the revelation of Jesus Christ. They just saw it from a different perspective. Now, Paul picked it up later on after this had happened over in the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 52, the King James Bible. And let's see what Paul's take is. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? <laughs> now, Paul is dealing with a crowd who remember what happened. Okay. Some of them wanted to forget it. And they have slain them, which should... We would show before of the coming of the just one, talking about Jesus, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. So Paul is calling it back to their attention. Why? Because Paul is now ministering to the Gentiles that Luke wrote about, wrote to. Paul, remember Paul, Luke was Paul's physician. So Luke wrote based on some things he had witnessed when he was traveling with Paul. Now here Paul is talking to a Gentile crowd, ones who had come after Jesus' death. All of those around the cross when Jesus was being was my primarily Jews, you know, Jews. Now Paul is taking this thing to the Gentiles and he's reminding them of what had been fulfilled by the prophet back then. And he's saying, look, some of you were part of that because you didn't raise a hand. You didn't do anything. Some of you rejected and denied him even then out of fear. You know, you didn't want to be hung on no cross. So Paul is using what had happened. Now the minister to, to the Gentiles, now first the Jews, now the Gentiles. Uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, the King James Bible, listen to what he says. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. You know, it's by the power of God that come through the death of Jesus Christ for anyone who accepts him. You can't, you can't live a spiritual life without accepting the crucifixion, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't, you know, because there's no power in it. If you don't believe and receive it, there's no power. If you don't receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost, the Paracletos, our helper, and let him be greater in you and me than anybody else, because greater is he, the Bible says, that's in us than he that's in the world. And Paul is saying his death was not in vain, you know, it, 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 it's not in vain. For those who believe, they will not be condemned. For those who believe not, they're condemned already. And Paul said, but if you believe on him who died, who was crucified, you will have eternal life. That's the only way. <clears throat> he declared it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. You're not getting there any other way. If you do, you come as a thief and a robber. That death, that crucifixion, him giving up that ghost, 
It was for salvation for anybody out there, whosoever will. He died for the whole world. He was crucified for the whole world. The prophets had to be, the prophecy of the prophets had to be fulfilled. The ones that you killed and you murdered when they was telling you this before. You know, Lord said, look in the book of Amos chapter three, verse seven, I will only reveal it through my prophets. These major and minor prophets, not some of these folk running around here, not calling themselves a prophet, telling you all this other stuff. This is what you need to know right here. This is what the world need to know right here. And this is what Paul is telling this church here. Uh, let's look at the book of Revelation. I love the book of Revelation because it kind of gives you the end of the summary of everything. The book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 8, the King James Bible, as we move to close. And their dead bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So that lets you know right there for all these people out here talking about the rapture being caught up in the air somewhere. Jesus is coming back right there to that same spot and he's going to uh, make everything new, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem right there in that spot. And you're going to see dead bodies, he says, right here in the streets. Why? Because there's going to be those who are going to reject him all the way to the end. And the minute he put foot on this earth, we're going to be out of these old mortality, these old bodies, and we're going to put on immortality. All those that don't know Christ, man, guess what? They have no body to put on. So they're going to be like dead men, amen, crucified right there in that place of crucifixion. That's what he's saying. That's what Revelation is telling us. That's how it's going to end. But for those of us who have put our trust and confidence in him right now, that will not be the case. We'll be with him. We'll be absent from this body. Bam, right in the presence of the Lord. Why? We've died the first death right now. We've accepted him. We've accepted his death and burial and resurrection right now. Therefore, we have salvation. And the minute he appears on this earth, we will be out of these bodies in the presence of the Lord. Word says in the book of 3 John, verse 1, verse 2, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But this one thing that we know and we hope for, that when he shall appear, we shall see him the way he is. How are we going to do that? Because we'll be just like him. Not going to be the case for unbelievers. Not going to be the case for those who take the position that that other thief took on the cross and, and riled him and, 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 and rejected him. But the one said, hey, you know, when you come in your kingdom, remember me. And he said, from this day forward, you're going to be in paradise with me. He'll be there with us, joining in with, with those who have accepted Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, as the way. And so we're going to do one verse here, verse 19, and we're going to end. Verse 19, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now we see Pilate's next event. He writes the title on the cross. Pilate made an iconic announcement and we see it in verses 30, uh, chapter 18 of the book of John, chapter uh, verses 36 and 37, the King James Bible. And we'll go over those the next time we come together for teaching. But amen. Look at what he writes. The problem with this is this. He wrote it on the cross, but he didn't let the Holy Spirit write it in his heart. That's where a lot of people are at. They know of him. They have some knowledge of him, but he's not in their heart. They won't let him in their hearts. You know, they got pride in their heart, arrogance in their heart, ignorance in their heart, spiritually bankrupt, empty, you know, loud sounding brass and tinkling cymbals, you know, talking loud from that position of responsibility, but not taking responsibility. It's because he was willing to try to get by with writing his name on the cross over his head for everybody to see like he knew something, like he had some special insight. 
but he didn't have him in his heart because the word of God wasn't hidden in his heart. So he's out there sinning against God right now and don't even realize it. Or maybe he do. He said, what is truth? You know, so truth, he had heard the truth. He did, he did want to release him, but he did not have the courage and, and, and the wherewithal to do it when he also had the power to do it. But it just goes to show you it never was left up to him. It never was left up to him. No other leader in, in, in decades gone by, it was left up to them. It ain't left up to them now. It's not going to be left up to them in the end. Wasn't left up to them yesterday because God's the same. Ain't left up to them today because he's the same. Won't be left up to them tomorrow because he's the same. Jesus is the one that died. He paid the price. He, was, he reconciled us back to the Father. He gets all the glory. He takes the honor, you know, even in death. And so we glorify him now, Jesus of Nazareth, and we're going to end there. Father, thank you and praise you this morning for this word. We just give you praise, go and honor, Lord God, now that, Father, we understand the benefits of these events surrounding Jesus bearing the cross and his crucifixion. He is the one that said it's finished. He gave up his life. And if he gave it up, he can pick it up again. And he did. And he's now living in each and every one of us. He's not a dead Christ. He's a living Savior. And we give you praise, glory, and honor for right now, knowing the truth, knowing that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Anyone that comes in any other way comes as a thief and a robber. We come this morning as humble servants to pray and believe that others will know the truth and that truth will make them free. They'll understand and have a clear picture of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, what it purchased, what it paid for, for all those that are lost, backsliders and prodigal sons and daughters that are out there now wavering in their faith, torn between two opinions, don't know what to do. And so, Father, we pray that they'll look to Jesus, the author, finish, and developer of our faith and receive the finished work that he did on that cross to purchase our salvation and believe in him and begin today to live their life in light of eternity because life is like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow and then the judgment. And if we're not ready for the judgment, then we're not ready for the death. So, Father, we thank and praise you that people would die spiritually today, that they may live again in the present of the Lord. And so we give you praise, glory, and honor for it right now. Let this word go out, not come back to you, void, till it do what you please. Let it convict someone out there right now that is lost, backslidden, and a prodigal son or daughter have lost their way, that they'll come back to you now after hearing this word. In Jesus' name is our prayer. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. That concludes the teaching this morning. Amen.